Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Okay. We ready to go, Reg? How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? I, that's, that's from friends, right? Joey. I, I don't know. I've, I, I never was a huge friends fan. I know it's a, uh, it's a phenomenon. I mean, it was right in my wheelhouse. Um, you know, I'm around the same age as, as the actors on that show, but I, it, it, it just, you know, my idea, my, my sense of humor was, was Seinfeld, not friends. You know what I mean? I, I just, it was too trendy. Um, I, as I've said to you many times, you know, on this podcast, you know, I just, uh, if something is that popular, I, I always shy away from it. It's too trendy. I just, I don't know. I still laugh at Seinfeld. I was watching some old episode. Do you ever watch, Reggie, do you ever watch Curb Your Enthusiasm? Oh, you got to watch that. It's, I, I don't know if it's good or bad, but I really do <laughs> relate to Larry David. <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's get started with this thing. What do you say? Huh? Okay. You say okay? All right. So do I. All right. Uh, I like where the levels are, so keep them there. I'll give you the uh, the countdown on the three S's. You give me the music, and uh, we'll just do this thing. What do you say? All right? Here we go. Star, smile strong. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. Slow down. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> you know what? I, I saw you looking at me. I, I just got into the music. <laughs> now, that's how you know that I am really an Elton John fan. Wow. I've heard that song a million times, if not more. And when it started, I just started listening instead of doing what I was supposed to do. I, you know, I think you were shocked, weren't you? I, and then it just hit me. Like, shouldn't I be talking now? <laughs> All right, what do you say we try it again? <laughs> and this time I'll I'll do what I'm supposed to do. Wow, still uh, still excited by those songs of Elton John 50 years later. Wow. <laughs> that song is 50 years old in fact. Almost. Came out in 74. 49 years old. Still got to me. I totally lost I was totally lost into it. I was totally lost in it. I didn't even think that I was supposed to be talking. I got a microphone in front of me and and I'm listening to the music, totally enjoying it. All right, we'll try it again. <laughs> Here we go. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. <laughs> And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. 
Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. And don't forget, listening is not the only thing you need to do if you listen to this podcast. You need to get out there and tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your family, tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podcastic, and it should be theirs too. That loyalty and that devotion, you can't buy that stuff. If you like what you hear, don't forget, go to WGNRadio.com, go to the podcast section, hit the prompt for this podcast, and what will be spewing out are just... Is a, is a river as long and wide and twisted as the Nile of podcasts for you to dive in and wade through and let them float into your consciousness. Wow, how's that, huh? <laughs> There's so many podcasts in there, I can't even count anymore. Just keep scrolling down and scrolling down. I don't know if they're all there, but we've been doing this for almost seven years now. And this is episode number 351. So what I'd like to talk to you about today um, is I'd like to share some exciting and thrilling and very rewarding news that I recently received. Uh, as I've said to you, if you listen to this podcast on a regular basis, I always consider this a conversation, a dialogue between you and me. Yes, men, many other people are also listening. But uh, right now, most likely when you're listening to it, who know, there's a good chance that just you and me are talking right now. Even though people have access to it all over the world and can listen to it anytime. So it's hardly just a one-on-one, -on -one, but it really is. I really truly believe that it is a one-on-one -on -one because... The nature of podcasts is the independence and the the individuality that you have to listen to it at any time. Very different than mass broadcasts, like when you're on the radio live and hundreds of thousands or even millions of people could be listening at the same time. That's a completely different experience. I certainly treat it as if it's a conversation with just you, because right now, just me is in your head, is in your ears right now. And, and as I said, even though that those podcasts are sitting out there online and people can click on anytime, anywhere they want, there's a good chance that whenever you're listening, it's just the two of us. So as I said, I, I'd like to, um, to consider this as, a, as a, a dialogue, a conversation between two people. And I have always tried to share... Um, interesting things that have happened to me personally, as well as certainly talking about big topics and universal themes and, and things that we all might deal with or might confront us uh, in the news or in life. But every so often, I do like to get a little personal and, and share things about my life. 
Some of you really enjoy some of those quirky things about my personality. We all have those little quirky things, and um, and some of many people don't expose those. They they don't they don't uh, let people know about that because they're embarrassing. I I'm a, I'm kind of an open book here, and so uh, I enjoy sharing those things. And it's funny with that when I do. I find that uh, even though many people don't want to admit that they do some of these things, when when someone else talks about them and and uh, and puts them out there, then all of a sudden people sort of sheepishly raise their hand too, and that's fine. That's cool. That's fun. That's, I enjoy doing that. And as I said, I enjoy also um, sharing my opinions, but also sharing uh, some great and interesting things that happen to me personally and uh, not everything i mean i do keep some things personal but this i think is something that i'm so proud of uh that i want to share with you because i do consider us friends and so uh you always want to share good news with a good friend and uh about a week and a half or so ago i got some just you know uh jaw-dropping news in a good way, in a good way. Uh, I th- I'm pretty sure I, sh- I I should go back. I talk at the beginning of the podcast about you know you should always listen to the the past podcast so you know what we're going. Listen to the past so you know where we're going in the future. I'm almost positive I I did speak about this. I need to check. I should have checked before I talked about this. But and once again, I I, I sir, don't get me wrong. I do uh, I do research for this uh, podcast every week, but sometimes. Uh, things just pop into my head as I'm speaking, as you could tell. <laughs> um, but I'm almost I'm almost positive that I talked about this uh, this play that I did last summer that I was very proud of, and um, I'm even more pr- if it's if it's if it's that if that's possible, I'm even more proud almost a year later if that is is possible. And it's because uh, I did a play, a classic play, here in the Chicago area. The play was Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? It's written by one of America's best playwrights, Edward Albee. It was a Tony Award-winning play. Um, it won a Pulitzer Prize. And it, has, it was made into a film. It has won many, many accolades. It's considered one of the best American written plays of all time. Uh, I've been acting now for 20 years. Uh, in fact, this year is the first play that I ever did. Straight uh, official play that I ever did. I've been performing for most of my life. As a little kid, I was doing impersonations and and uh, well, I shouldn't say it's my first play. I shouldn't say that. The first play I ever did was in second grade. <laughs> I was Father Marquette of the Father Marquette and Jo and and uh, Marquette and Joliet Explorer fame, and I played Father Marquette in second grade. Even then, I had a lead role. <laughs> but I've been performing, and I consider this a performance in many ways, being on the radio and. And I've been on television and, and, and things like that. So I've, and I've always been kind of, as I said, doing impersonations. And if I'm at, you know, in a gathering, I many times will be called to give a speech or to 
you know, entertain. So I've always considered myself a performer in one way or another. But I had never been an actor, per se. I'd never been in a legitimate play where you had to memorize lines and do blocking and act with other people. I never had done that. I always thought about doing it, but I never did it. Um, when I was in high school, I was in an all-boys school, and uh, this was in the, you know, the, eight, the early 80s, and so I was more of a jock. It wasn't it wasn't cool to be in the theater group, and and even though and we didn't and at my high school at the time they didn't they had a very loose theater department anyway. With all boys, they certainly they had a cooperative with with the with many of the girls' schools and things like that. Um, but they didn't really have a, a major theater, and there wasn't real a lot of emphasis on the theater. Sadly, there was there were plays. And I probably could have done them, but I just, you know, I was so wrapped up in that time in sports. I played, uh, you know, a couple of sports, baseball and football, and I even played a year of basketball when I was a freshman. So um, I was very active in sports at that time, but I always did notice and look at and wonder about auditioning for a play. Um, you know what's funny is like the, the teachers in the in, in the theater department they never came up to me and asked me if they had asked me I may have done it but perhaps they just thought oh you know he's a jock and and that's what he is even though I mean I was always you know had a big personality even in high school and so I was I was you know I would do things at um, you know the the assemblies and stuff like that so I, I never, I never was shy. That's for sure, and I always put myself out there. But they never really asked. Maybe if they asked me, I would have done it. If I could have, uh, in terms of scheduling. But I was pretty busy with sports and everything, uh, for the most part. And even when I was in college, there was a play. Uh, they had a theater there. Once again, it, it wasn't a huge theater department. I went to, to Elmhurst College, now it's called Elmhurst University, mainly because they had a radio station there, and I wanted to learn how to do radio. I, I was, I've been obsessed with, with, um, with being on the radio since I was a little kid, uh, since I was 12 years old. And so uh, that, was, that was the direction I wanted to go in, and, and that was, I was very focused on that. And maybe I overlooked other abilities and talents and even other ambitions because I was so dominated by that. And I and I and here I am today talking to you on a podcast. But, uh, you know, once again, my uh, my main goal always was to be on the radio, the mass communications radio. And and I still enjoy that the most. But I have to tell you, after this news I got this week, I might have to rethink how I consider myself. Um, so I might as well just, if you haven't even heard it, if you haven't heard it yet, I have it on my Facebook page, but I thought I would talk about a little more in depth, but um, the production of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf was very successful. It was done at a, at a small theater here in Chicago called Invictus. And, uh, when I auditioned for it, I always wanted to play the role of George in this play. I'd seen the film with Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor. I had seen theater productions of it. Most recently, about maybe 10 years or so ago, um, 
here in Chicago, produced by the great and legendary Steppenwolf Theater, with Tracy Letts and Amy Morgan in the main, or Amy Morton, I'm sorry, in the main roles. And I always was intrigued by it. It's a it's 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 a it's a bear of a play for both the audience and for the actors. It it touches on so many different swirling emotions and personal and intimate details and um, and and uh, circumstances uh, and many emotional layers going on. Uh, a play about a a very dysfunctional relationship and marriage between George and Martha and how it all unravels in many ways, or at least is exposed um, in a late night, early morning, drunken frenzy with, uh, with another couple and their feelings and their insecurities and their tempers and their angers and their and their lust and and every emotion you can think of is on display and uh, it's a very powerful piece that that stays with you if it's done right and uh the film version certainly is the first exposure that I had to it and Elizabeth Taylor who won an academy award for her role and Richard Burton, who was nominated for an Academy Award in his role, were uh, were just impossible to um, to ignore their 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 acting ability, but also their own chemistry because you know they were a couple at the time. Uh, just made it feel so real and so powerful, and it's not easy to get through. It's long. The play itself is over three hours. Um. But the the the, the, gratifi- the gratifying thing about it was our production was when I was after every show, I would hear people talking not only after the show but weeks after saying I I just can't get that out of my mind. There was so many issues that went on there, and we're you know I was talking with the people that we saw it with, and we're still trying to figure things out. So that was very satisfying. Um, I got the when. when uh, I, I auditioned for the role. When I saw that there was an audition for it, I got very excited. And I said, wow, this is something that I've always wanted to do, and now here is the opportunity. And so uh, I studied for the audition, and I went in with a lot of uh, of confidence because I knew I had to because that's what the character called for. And I was lucky enough to have two audition partners who I'd never met or worked with before, but they were there to read the female role against, you know, against me, uh, with me. And, uh, and I, I really had a, they were both excellent and they both really gave me a lot to work with. And so I feel that I was able to really put my best foot forward acting wise as I was trying to find my own version of George and I really enjoy. I mean, basically, when I saw there was a, an audition for this show, I just said to myself, "Well, I don't know if I can. I, I will get this role, but at the very least, I'm, I wanted to go to the audition so I could at least do a couple of scenes, and, and and say I did a couple of scenes as George with somebody, you know, in front of other people, even if it was four, three or four people 
looking to cast. It wasn't an audience, but at least I could read Albie's lines and be George for five minutes. And it turned out I wound up being George through rehearsals and our run for three months. And I think there's always a little bit of George still in me. There may have been some George in me before I started, which I didn't know, but I certainly miss playing him and I miss being with George, that character who was both in me as well as with me. And and I helped bring him to life for others. Um, but I really had no idea, you know, I, I knew that there would be a lot of competition for this. If if you're a, a male actor, uh, you this is one of the roles you want to play. It was always one of my dream roles. And the play isn't done all that often because it's so difficult and because there, it's, it's, um, it's very heavy and it's three hours long. And in today's world, people don't have those, that type of a, uh, of a, of a, uh, of an attention span. Although what I did learn, we say that, and we say that so casually today. Oh, no one has an attention span today. Young people don't have an attention span. Older people don't have an attention span. But you know what? If you give them something to pay attention to, people do have a sustained and long attention span. And I think I learned that by doing this show because this show is over three hours with two intermissions. And no one walked out. And everyone who saw it said that they were gripped from the beginning and saying how they just uh, could not stop watching. So I think that's a cop-out really now. And I've, and I've certainly said that many times. Oh, well, we have this low, low attention span. Maybe because there's nothing to pay attention to. That's our problem. The content doesn't deserve a long attention span. Maybe that's the equation. At least for the people who came to our show, they maybe they came wanting that and expecting it, and they completely went along with it. But I never heard anyone say that. I mean, I talked to a lot of people after the shows, and everybody seemed to be very united in their reaction to the show. And so, and not just people that I knew; these were strangers who would come up to me. So it was very fulfilling to do this part. I learned a lot about myself. Uh, I grew as an actor. There's no question about that. I've been acting for 20 years in, in various productions, both production or both professional and amateur. I've done more than 40 plays in 20 years, so that's a pretty good clip. I mean, I have to really go back and, and count them. It might even be closer to 50. And I've been fortunate enough to play many of the roles that I always wanted to play that I always admired. As I said, I, I never acted until kind of late in life. I wasn't one of those theater rats in high school or college. Most people are into theater in their, in their younger years, and they, they, they do it in high school, they do it in college, and then they get out of college and they start to pursue an acting career. As I said before, I pursued a radio career or, or a media career, and so... That wasn't my thing. But what was interesting, and the way I came to acting through a back door, really, I always had this interest in it. I always maybe thought in the back of the mind I could do it, but I don't know if I either had the confidence to do it, and I never really had someone that really pushed me toward it. And because it's such a difficult 
you know, profession, I certainly didn't have my parents. I mean, my parents, you know, they always supported me in whatever I did. But as every parent, they were always worried about your, you know, your long-term security and your and your your job uh, security. And so acting certainly was something that I think they probably saw that I could do, but they didn't really uh, push me in that direction because of the fact that it is so hit and miss, and the odds of of succeeding in it are are you know very large. And even when you you do succeed in it, it still can be very temporary and up and down, uh, unless you you hit the jackpot and get on a TV show and make millions, then you're set. But, uh, you know, working actors are always looking for that next role. Um, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting profession, and it's an interesting vocation because uh, the odds are against you. Uh, the, the, the jobs can be, as I said before, very temporary, even in this. I mean, we, you know, at the end of the run, the show is over, and you're off looking for your next thing. So to really... And that's why so many actors, you know, they're they're actors by night and they're waiters and dog walkers and and temps and whatever it is because they have to make a living and acting is a not and I think there's some crazy statistic that like 5% of the actors in the screen actors guild, you know, are are regularly employed. It's it's crazy. But what's what's also difficult is there's so much reality in front of you about the hardships of it. But if you have that passion for it that burns in you, that lives in you, that I think that you're born with, despite all those realities, it's something that you have to do. And I, I, if you don't have that kind of creative bent or that, that kind of creative spark that lives in you like that, um, it's hard to explain. I've got many friends that they're in the business world, accountants and other things, and and uh, you know, and they they, and I've been in the business world too. Don't get me wrong. As I said, I I've always I've I, you know I, I I've never uh, you know I've I've always been focused on radio, which is still a creative outlet, but it's still there's more of a business to it. But acting is, is certainly more of an artistic kind of um, of a venture. And, um, you know, it's not like being an accountant. There's no path, you know. It's, there's so much luck and, uh, you know, and just being at the right time, at the right place. So many things that go into it. It's crazy, and yet if you have that passion in you, you may try to to play it down and you may try to bury it because of the realities economic as well you know and things like that um but i find that those people that that do have that acting bug it's you can you might be able to push it away for a while but it will always it will always reemerge and that's what happened to me maybe it was always there and i don't i don't know it or didn't realize it, or I was focused on other things, but clearly um, it was there, and it is there now. It is here. And um, and so we did this play. I was very proud of it. I worked my butt off. I, there was a, a ton of lines. 
the show was over three hours long. I maybe maybe was off stage for five minutes, and I'm not even exaggerating. A lot of lines, a lot of things to, um, you know, to just have to know and learn. Uh, I was up many times for weeks at a time during rehearsals. I was up at three in the morning, and I was going over these lines for twelve hours sometimes before I would go to rehearsals. I'm not exaggerating. I really put a lot of work and effort into this because I I. I knew how important this was. It was it was a goal of mine to always do. So when I was cast, I I, I was so excited, and I knew there was a great challenge in front of me. But and I wanted to meet that challenge, and I felt a great responsibility. And it may sound corny, but I made I, I felt a great responsibility to do my best and and to do proud by this play and those who have done it before me. I really felt that responsibility. Uh, I mean, I was going to be in this play, and I was going to be performing it for people. And any time that I do anything, I always want to be my best and do my best. And this would be a test, I felt. It would be testing my abilities uh, and my, my dedication and my focus and my commitment because of the size of it and 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 and. All the layers, as I said before, about emotion and and um, and acting and 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 just picking apart any of the of the the craft or the process of it, it demanded all of that. And I also saw the opportunity for it. Uh, as I said, I, I you know I came to acting um, late, but I was always interested in it, and and I never took an acting class. But I learned by observing. When I when my early in my career, I was a I was a, I was a film and theater writer and 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 reviewer. So I went to a lot of movies and a lot of plays in the early part of my life. For the, for the first, you know, I was watching movies and television since a little kid, and and watching those performers like Jackie Gleason and, and Groucho Marx and 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 so many people that I enjoyed and. And Woody Allen and and actors, uh, you know, like Marlon Brando and and Paul Newman and Robert De Niro uh, and Anthony Hopkins and and Richard Burton and so many people, Patrick Stewart, so many people that I that I really admired. And then I and I was going to plays and watching actors. And I was going to look. I was going to plays as a young kid. My parents took me to the theater many times, so I saw these people that I saw on TV, then suddenly I saw them in person acting on stage. Um, I saw many of them. There used to be a theater at the Arlington Park Hilton. And we would go there quite a bit to see different shows and the Jury Lane theaters and and the Ivanhoe theater. So I've been going to, to theater you know, all my life. And through osmosis, I, I think I was really learning from them. So many people say, well, you know, what kind of acting... Uh, you know, training if you had it. I, I trained not from an acting teacher, but I trained by watching some of the greatest actors and actresses uh, who have ever done it. And because when I had to review a play, I had to look close. Or I reviewed a, reviewed a movie, I had to look close at the performances. How effective were these actors 
in portraying these, these did I believe them did i did i see any false notes or was i completely bought into and completely convinced that they were those people so i had to watch with a keen eye to do my job but personally i was also looking with a very close eye and absorbing that and uh and so when it came time to do it, uh, it came very natural to me. When I was in high school, we'd, we had a project in one of our classes, in our English class, to make a movie. And once again, here as I say, I say, oh, I never, you know, I never pursued it, but I, 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 I wrote and whatever this means, directed, and, and with my other classmates, starred in this small little film and and you know it was probably 15 20 minutes long but there were some moments in it where there were some real moments i watch it now i still have it you know it's it's how many years ago decades ago and i walk at, look at myself as an 18 year old kid and and i see i see the potential there you know, I see those scenes and go, that's not a bad scene for an 18-year-old. <laughs> so obviously the talent, was, was the ability was there, and I've, I've certainly worked on it, but there was a lot that maybe I just, I, 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 through my own observations, um, you know, I, there was a raw talent there, and I, maybe I helped refine it by myself. And then when I started to act, I certainly, by working with different actors and directors, I have learned on the job, different techniques and different things so certainly i'm a much better actor i believe today than i was 20 years ago or certainly when i was 18 um and so that bug was there maybe i just never fully uh appreciated it or fully let it rise to the to the front and interestingly enough what made it happen was, and I, I mean, I, there's this, I, there is just no question about this. This isn't like, well, you know, this is, this is the impetus for it. And I may have told the story before, but it's, it's, worth, it's worth repeating. So that film I'm telling you about in high school that, that we made for a class project, we filmed it at a, my, one of my friend's house. In fact, I'm still friends with him. In fact, I'm his son's godfather. And we still are best of friends since high school. And, um, but we filmed it at his house mainly because they, his brother had a video camera. This is the early, this is the early 80s when, when camcorders were just becoming. But they had a big family and they, they used to, go out on a lot of uh you know they did a lot of stuff in there and his brother his older brother was really into you know filming and being a photographer so he actually filmed it on their camcorder which was at that time a big huge thing that you, you put on the side of your shoulder <laughs> um but we made that play over we, we did that movie over a couple of weeks at my friend's house so flash forward you know, 30 years, you know, well, well, 20 years, fast forward 20 years. And, um, 
we were at a at a party at a barbecue at my friend's house and I hadn't seen his mother in in a long time. I always got along very well with her, and she always liked me. And as I said, we we uh, you know we filmed this movie there. And I, it being her her grandson's godfather, I was certainly around at their family functions frequently and things like that. And they were always very welcoming and always very nice to me. And I hadn't seen her in a while. And she said, "Oh, you know, how are you doing? What are you up to now?" And and I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm doing in public relations. And I'm doing some radio work. And, and she just looked at me and she said, you know, I always thought you would be a great actor. <laughs> and I just kind of laughed because I had never pursued that. Right. But she saw me in this play, in this, in this, in this movie that I, we filmed at her house. And she must have still remembered it. Maybe because she saw that how I was outgoing and always kind of, you know, performing, as I said before, when people were around. But there was something that made her say that. And I kind of laughed and, and but it it when she said it, it it really hit me. I I remember almost taking a step back, like, wow, for the first time, somebody actually said it. Many people may have thought it. But she said it, and she said it to me in a way that wasn't, that was almost kind of a challenge. At least that's the way I took it. I don't know if she even realized it or not. But when she said it, it almost, she almost said it like a regretful thing, like, it's too bad you never pursued acting. Because I think, you know, that's the way that I took it. Maybe once again, this was psychologically in the back of my mind. Maybe I heard it the way I needed or wanted to hear her say it. I don't know she's passed away now and i and i wish she was around because i would have loved to have shared this news with her really there's a lot of people that i would have loved to have shared this news with and she is one of them certainly because i don't think i would be acting today if not for rose minogue telling me i always thought you'd be a great actor it hit me so hard um I kind of laughed and <laughs> well, yeah, you know, and you know, we just moved on. And but that it it stayed in my head, and it bothered me because I I I have always pursued what I've wanted to and what I've always had a passion for. And at that point in my life, it was almost like you know, if I don't do this now, I may never do it, and. Maybe I need to do this. Maybe I should have done it. And if I should have, well, I can't, I, can't, I can't change the past, but I could change the future. And so that was in July when she told me that. And it just haunted me. It stayed with me to the point where I said to myself, I really think that I want to audition for a play. I had never done that in my life. And so I was a little afraid, but I was also very excited about the prospect. And once again, she inspired me to to gain this confidence. And so I, I went online and I started to look for local area auditions and plays. And I saw an amateur 
production that was going to have some auditions for a production of A Christmas Carol. And because in in September now, you know, now this was kind of like, you know, August, September, that's when the Christmas plays start to come together. It takes a couple of months to prepare, and then they're usually, you know, they start in early to mid-November and go through the Christmas season. So in the fall, that's when the Christmas plays start to cast, many of them. So I thought, well, that's not a bad idea. I mean, I know the, A Christmas Carol so well. It's my favorite Christmas story. There's a lot of great characters. I'd love to play Scrooge. 20 years later, I would still love to play Scrooge. I'm still wanting to play Scrooge. That's another one of those that I definitely want to play. Haven't played Scrooge yet. Played almost everybody else in A Christmas Carol. Haven't played Scrooge yet. Maybe I just need to be a little older, but maybe I'm getting there now. <laughs> so I said, well, this, is, this, this might be a good thing to do because I, this is a, a, a piece that is, I'm comfortable with. I, I know the characters. It's not as if I had to create a new character. This is a, a, an established character that I've seen performed many, many times. There's so many different versions of A Christmas Carol, and I've seen many of them. So I felt comfortable in either auditioning for Scrooge or another major part in that, whether it was Bob Cratchit or or Marley's Ghost or some of these other characters. So I saw this, and it was in a suburban uh, amateur theater in Wheaton called Wheaton Drama, and I went, and I had never auditioned. I certainly had been performing for many years, for, for practically my whole life. But I'd never been in a formal audition for a play until this time. And um, I auditioned. And while I didn't get Scrooge, I got, there's only five roles in this production of A Christmas Carol, a very unique production where everybody played multiple roles. And I got one of those five roles. Having never been in a play, having never auditioned for a show, I got one of those. And I had to play several different characters. Marley's Ghost, Bob Cratchit, Mr. Fezziwig, and some other smaller, minor parts that just, you know, little quick scenes. But I was being called upon to play, have a diversity and a versatility. Never really acted, never really had done this before, but given a major responsibility, a major part in only you know, five actors. So every one of them has to be pretty good or this is going to fail. But I must have shown something in that audition. And I got it, and I, was, I jumped head first into it. And I, from the first uh, rehearsal, I felt so comfortable. And so much in my element, almost more. I I always feel I always felt very comfortable in in my element when I'm in a in a radio studio and behind a microphone, and I felt the same way here in this in this um, rehearsal setting, acting, reading the script, and 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 performing in rehearsal, and doing all the things you have to do. And I was trying my best not to 
show my inexperience or my lack of knowledge of acting but i must have it must have just come to me because no one ever really questioned it they helped me and they directed me which is the job they helped refine me but i seemed to be able to do it pretty well and and by the way i was acting nobody was saying well this guy does never done this before why did he get this role everybody was from the get-go saying wow you're doing a great job and that just boosted my um, my confidence. And after doing that play, I I said, well, this is something that I certainly want to pursue. Maybe not professionally or full time, but I certainly something that I want to be in more plays. And why why haven't why wasn't I doing this before? But maybe I just wasn't ready. But I certainly wanted to make up for lost time. And I said, in the last twenty years. I've been in probably more than 40 and almost 50 plays. So I've certainly um, made up for lost time. And I've been fortunate enough to play many of the dream roles that I've always wanted to play. I've been fortunate enough to get many of those and experience those and put my own mark on those. And I've been very grateful for the reaction that my performances have gotten. But I got floored, and it's not easy to floor me. (laughs) Uh, I don't get rattled that much. I've been very fortunate. I've put myself out there, and I've been able to do a lot of things I've always wanted to do, at least experiencing, experience them. Uh, They haven't maybe, you know, I mean, if I had my druthers, I would have been on the radio for the last 40 years. Well, that didn't happen. But I have been on, and I was on regularly, and I, I think I did a very good job, and, and the, the ratings proved it when I was on the, the afternoon show on WGN daily for six years, and I certainly wish I was still doing that. But, hey, that's the way of the world. But my point is I've been very lucky, and I've been very fortunate, but I've also put in the time and the work, and I'm... I've had I've always had a great confidence and so when I've achieved many of the the goals or the dreams that I've always had I feel almost like well that was what I was supposed to do. Uh but acting I never it was never in my mind like that. So this has all been something kind of new to me and I've gotten very confident in my acting ability and I think you have to be confident or you wouldn't get cast. But when I got this news recently, it, it really did shake me. In fact, I'll be honest with you, it's been, a week, it's been over a week and a half since I got the news. And I still haven't completely digested it. And I still, still haven't completely um, been able to get my arms around it. Uh, I, I don't know how I feel, except I'm, I'm excited by it. I don't know what it, it means or what it could be. I don't know. But... Um, I did this, I got this role, uh, in Virginia Woolf and I put everything, literally everything I had into it and I, I enjoyed it. I had great castmates. It was only four people in that play. So once again, every one of them, you know, each one of us had to be 
at our the top of our game because there was four three hours of four people just interacting and talking. There wasn't any laser beams. There wasn't any explosions. There wasn't any songs. This was just acting and talking. And there's some action going on, obviously, but you had to be compelling. And when I met my three castmates at the first rehearsal, I, I could see how committed and talented and focused they were. And I knew that I had to really raise my game up and I had to really bring my A-plus game because I had such a major role in this that I had to deliver or this play would fail. The part was too big and too important to the action. And I had to, I had to deliver. I had to bring everything I had and more. And then when I saw how good they were, Andrea Upling and Rachel Livingston and Keenan Odenkirk, when I saw how good they were and how committed and focused and determined they were, boy, that I just knew I had to, I had to up my game. And that's why I was up at 3 in the morning every day reading these lines. Because when I came to rehearsal and our, and our director, Charles Askin, Askinizer, who, um, who was demanding supportive but demanding and 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 compassionate and passionate about this and i didn't want to let him down he did he really went out on a, on a limb to cast me this is a big role and he didn't cast somebody he had worked with before that he knew how they acted he had i, I had never met him i had never been in anything that he saw me in he just saw me in that audition and he had the trust to put this show, which would be very important for the theater itself, in a great part in my hands. And I did not take that responsibility lightly. I realized the responsibility in, on many levels that this play and this role had for so many people, including myself. And I was determined to live up to those expectations of others and the high expectations I have for myself. And uh, and he, he could have easily you know cast somebody he's worked with before who he knew and had confidence in, and I don't blame him if he did. But he saw something in me, and he was willing to give me that responsibility. And I did not want to let him down. I did not want to let my castmates down. I did not want to let Edward Albee and this play down. I did not want to let George, the character, down. I didn't want to let Richard Burton... And, and Tracy Letts and, and Arthur Hiller, or no, um, Arthur Hill, who was the original George, and Bill Irwin, who won a Tony, for, a Tony Award for this on Broadway as well, as Tracy Letts did. I didn't want to let Richard Burton down, who got an Academy Award nomination. I didn't want to let down the previous people who had done this show. I didn't want to let the audience down. I didn't want to let anyone down. And so I worked my butt off to make sure that I was at my best and meeting or matching and hopefully at times even exceeding the great performances that my castmates were giving. And hopefully I was giving back to them something to work off of that they were giving to me to work off of. It was truly a collaborative effort 
between those four cat the, the four castmates and our director and our producer everybody involved it was a, it was just a a very special show early on in the rehearsals we all felt that something special was happening we had a the set design which also got nominated um was 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 excellent everybody felt that something special was happening and when we put it we finally did it for an audience we got that reaction and then it just built and built and built and it was one of the best theater experiences one of the best professional experiences one of the best personal experiences of my life and so when i got this news it was a great validation it was so fulfilling it was exciting it was it was a dream it was a dream come true and it was and it was uh, and for me it was a um, a reward for all that work that i did put into it that i'm not afraid to, to say and in the back of my mind yes i always hoped that maybe this would really elevate me as an actor and recognition for the work I've done because I really did believe I was very proud of this show on every way and I was very proud of my performance I'm not afraid to say that and thankfully many people that I know came to see it I was glad that those people did and I was very uh, complimented that strangers came up to me and told me how much they enjoyed my performance we got rave reviews, uh, critical acclaim in the media, which was fantastic, as well as the audience reaction. We got standing ovations almost every night, if not every night, which really meant something, that all that work was worth it. Because ultimately, I care about entertaining the audience. I was an audience member before I was an actor. You know, a lot of actors don't, you know, they don't know what it's like to be in the audience because acting can be a very, it is a very narcissistic and personal thing. And many people do it just because they love to do it. And the audience is kind of like a necessary evil. But I was an audience member long before I was an actor. So I know what audiences expect when they come to a show or a movie. I know what they're looking for. They're, they, they, they're looking for something. They want to be entertained. They want to be engrossed. They want to be with you. I feel a great responsibility to the audience when I'm on stage. Yes, I'm getting personal satisfaction out of this, but I am working hard to entertain the audience. I was there before. I was one of them before I was on the other side of the stage. On the other side of the curtain, I was in that audience and I know why people go to entertainment for what it does for them uh, and what they're looking for and when they're disappointed. And I never want to dis I know when I've walked out of a show, been disappointed. I never wanted to do that. So I'm very committed and very focused on making sure whatever I do at the end of the day, I'm doing it for the audience first and me second. And I can honestly say that. And that's why I'm so proud of the show, because that's the way I certainly approached this. As I said, I felt a great responsibility to many outside forces, as well as to myself.
And so, about a week and a half ago, I got some some news that just floored me that I still haven't been able to fully comprehend. And I've every day, I guess I am a little more, but I still don't know what to say or how to react. Because in the back of my mind, I said, boy, wouldn't it be great if the show got recognized award-wise in the Chicago theater community? In the Chicago theater community, there is the the award. It's called the Joseph Jefferson Awards, or they're called the Jeff Awards. And they are similar to the Tony Awards for Broadway shows, the best in theater in the United States. They're, they're similar to the Olivier Awards in Britain and the West End. They are similar to the Oscars, the Academy Awards in the motion picture industry. They're similar to the Emmy Awards in television. Now, obviously, this is just locally in Chicago. It's not national or international, but it's still the highest awards in the Chicago theater. If you're in Chicago theater, you know, the highest honor you could get is a Jeff Award. And maybe, hopefully, you go on to other things. But if you do a play in Chicago, your goal is to is to be recognized uh, for a Jeff. And our play did get Jeff award recommended which means that the committee members of the jeff awards came to our show and officially recommended our show which is a huge designation which helped i think bring in audience and also may have helped in the show being recognized certainly and that was a high honor just to be jeff recommended is not easy and so when that when our show on after opening night got a Jeff recommendation stamp, we were like, wow, this is really cool. But that was surpassed a year later almost with the news of about a week and a half ago. And I'm so proud to say that the Jeff Award nominations for the non-equity plays in Chicago for 2022 our production of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf got seven nominations, which is really good. <laughs> and we got it for Best Play, which you can't, that's like being the Best Picture nomination. We got it for Best Ensemble, which is very exciting for me because that means the four of us who worked so hard together and we had an we had an immediate chemistry and spark and we 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 hopefully inspired each other i know the, how they inspired me so to know that 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 was recognized that how how good the four of us worked together that's a real important nomination for me our director charles askenizer was nominated as he deservedly should have been for pulling this whole thing together visually and acting and every every aspect he's so committed and so passionate and it's there it was there on that stage every night and as i said i know that i personally and those of us in the cast we wanted to make sure that we matched charles's expectations high standards and his passion his commitment and his focus to be the best we can be 
And we try to do that every night. My co-star, my Martha, if you will, who played my wife, Andrea Upling, was nominated for her best performer in a, in a play, in a drama. My other cast member, Rachel Livingston, was nominated for a best supporting role. Our scenic designer, the great, a great, we, all, everything takes place in one room in, 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 in this one apartment. And the apartment is a character as much as the four people. And our scenic designer, Kevin Rolfs, did an amazing job. When we walked into that set every day and every performance, it just inspired us. And he was nominated. And as incredibly as, <laughs> as it may sound, and I'm still trying to, to get my arms around this, but I was nominated for Best Performer in a principal role in a drama for my portrayal of George. I can't tell you how excited I am, how proud I am, how fulfilling it feels. It's um, to be acknowledged some of the best actors in Chicago. And I, and I don't want to downplay this. Say, oh, well, it's just a local Chicago thing. Chicago theater is among the best theater in this country. There is Broadway, and that is in New York, and that is the pinnacle of theater in this country, no question. But Chicago theater is a very close second. Many of the best actors we see today in plays, on television, and on Broadway, and in films were from Chicago, trained in Chicago, and acted in Chicago, and did get Jeff Awards. John Malkovich, Gary Sinise, Joe Montagna, Dennis Farina, Dennis Franz, Amy Morton, Joan Allen. The list just goes on and on and on. From places, great theaters like the Goodman and Steppenwolf. Great outside actors who came to Chicago have won Jeff Awards like Brian Dennehy and others. Um, Chicago theater is a thriving, well-respected theater community in this country. If not the world, Chicago plays have, have gone to other countries. They've gone to London with those actors. They've, they've excelled on Broadway. They've excelled at the highest acting areas. Laurie Metcalf from Roseanne. The irony is Laurie Metcalf was in, was, was, was in a production of Virginia Woolf. I had tickets to see it long before. This was during COVID, right before COVID. I had tickets to see Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf with Laurie Metcalf in the role as Martha, which would have been amazing. I hope that she still revisits someday. And sadly, when it was in previews, when COVID hit and it was canceled and it never came back, hopefully schedules can be worked around because they, they are, that show is up on its feet. It was already in previews. It was supposed to, to open in April. And then sadly, in March, everything closed down. But Lori Metcalf, another one. So, so, so many great actors have started in Chicago. And have won Jeff Awards. Many of them haven't either. 
So this is a big deal. I don't mind saying that. And I don't know if I certain I don't know if I belong in their class, but it's nice it's nice to know that I at least in some way belong in their company. I have worked so hard um, as an actor, and I've never really and I, I mean I consider myself an actor, but I've always in my mind considered myself, you know, a radio personnel. Oh, and I also do some acting. But after this, I I think I've been downplaying my acting, perhaps. I don't know. But I think I'm going to start referring to myself as an actor. Because I do feel a part of that, as I said, I might not be a part of the club. And there's some great actors that have won these awards, have been nominated for these awards, but at least, or I don't know if in their class, but I'm, I'm certainly in the club. And on March 27th, the ceremony for the 2022 Non-Equity Jeff Awards will take place here in Chicago at the Park West. And we're nominated for seven of them. And in a way, I'm nominated for at least two not only the performer on my own, but it's part of the, the best ensemble. So at least I'm nominated for two awards. So hopefully I come home with some kind of hardware. You know, they do say that it's an honor to be nominated. And you hear people say that and it sounds so corny and so fake. But it really is true. Now that I'm in that situation, I can honestly say I am just honored to have been recognized and nominated and there are many people in the best performer category it's not like you know five and five or so like they have in the oscars like that there's everybody in fact i'm up against my my in 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 the competition if you will against my co the actors and actors are both in one category so there's about 10 or 15 people in this in this list i'm not sure how many for sure i have to count that now but so we'll see but the fact that my name is there and will always be there is, uh, is quite a thrill. And at this stage of my life and at this, after 20 years of acting, it's a, it's a very fulfilling um, recognition and reward that all the time and the effort and the miles that I've driven and the hours that I've put in somehow have paid off. It's, a, it's, it's great to be nominated. But I won't lie to you. It's better to win. I would like to bring home some hardware (laughs) that night. And I do wish that there were a lot of people here with us still that I could have shared this news with. Rosemarie Minogue, certainly. She was the one, by a simple comment that she doesn't even, maybe she never even realized how important that comment was. But for me, it was almost life-changing. I'd love for my parents to have been here, especially my mom, who was a great lover of the arts. She was my biggest fan and my biggest critic, which you, th- which you need to have if you're going to be good at anything. Because you always need to be striving. You can never get lazy. And I know that she was proud, and I know that I brought her spirit, which lives very deep in me, even though she's been gone for almost 17 years now, uh, I brought her with me every show, and I always felt that she was in that audience, and I always performed for her and the other people in that audience. 
So I certainly share this great honor with her. Um, so I'm very touched. I'm very moved. I'm very excited. I'm very confused. Uh, I am wondering, am I worthy of this? I don't know. Um, but I'm, I'm glad to be acknowledged. It's, it's a great, great feeling. And I'm so appreciative. And for anybody who's come to see me in any of my plays, thank you so much for your support. It's because of you that I keep doing it. But I'm so proud of this show. It was a special moment in my life and in my career. And um, I hope that um, I hope that we can at least win one, so that we know that our hard work really was validated. It's validated now. Don't get me wrong, but it's always nice to hear your name announced. So I'll let you know what happens on March 27th. But I just wanted to let you know of the exciting and thrilling and personally satisfying and, 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 and rewarding news that I got this week. And um, I hope that, uh, that you enjoyed the little backstory of that. And uh, I appreciate and, and enjoyed sharing that with you. Because I said before, uh, I consider you great friends. And when you have some good news, you share it with your great friends. And I talk to you every week. So let me just say, how cool is this? And so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. And don't forget to tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody you know who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Your loyalty and devotion are much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed episode number 351. I'm Jim Toronto. I ain't here on business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic from the end of the web to your screen. Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? Virginia Woolf? Virginia Woolf?